I'm Lucy Lucroft, and you're listening to What She Said, a podcast for those of us who hate rules and love nosing into other people's businesses. As a podcast producer and neurodivergent mum of two, I have no time and too many things to do. I also hate following rules and blueprints, so every Monday I speak to fellow small biz owners to find out how they do business differently in cosy, rambling chats. If you want to eavesdrop in on them, you'll love what she said. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or head to lucylucroft.co.uk forward slash podcast to find out more. Welcome to another episode of What She Said. Today, I am speaking to Kerry Jarvis. She is an intersectional feminist, developmental coach and community activist. Kerry's been in business for 10 years, first as the founder of Do It Like a Mother, a pregnancy and parenting business she sold back in 2020 and has since been teaching, mentoring and coaching small business owners. Alongside her day job, she is also a trustee and founding member of All Rise Collective, a group of intersectional feminists who run community care banks for people in Southend who have been impoverished by the government. It's safe to say Kerry and I have pretty similar worldviews, but what I really want to chat to her about is her journey with intersectional feminism and how that's changed how she shows up online and in business. So Kerry, welcome. Let's get stuck in. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I've been excited about this. So I've probably been following you for, I don't know, like three, four years, something like that. Um, so I've kind of seen a bit of your journey, mm-hmm. um, but I want to go back to when you started to kind of shift your perspective. And but I'm particularly talking about to intersectional feminism. Was mm-hmm. there a light bulb moment for you? Um, so for context, I would love to say that like up until I had my first baby 10 years ago, I did not think that we needed feminism anymore because I earned more money than my husband. Like that was where I was at then. <laughs> and um, then I started to, you know, open my eyes a little um, when I started that first business. And what happened was in that birth work world, I was... Um, I met a lot of brilliant feminists in that space, but I also met a lot of, um, shall we say, like girl bosses, I guess, in that online business space that I was in doing my birth work. Um, And so I went from like, we don't need feminism to this kind of warped idea, I guess, of what it meant to be a feminist, to be um, a sort of a business owner, I had this sense that I was committing this kind of like feminist act by, you know, pursuing freedom for myself and my family and um, by like earning money in this sort of not quite conventional way. Um, So that's kind of where I was coming from. And when you ask me about sort of light bulb moments, it's funny. I, I think it's maybe more of like a drip drip situation. I really strongly have this memory of um, sharing this meme or post or something that I hadn't written, but that someone else had written that I kind of reposted that said something like, the world needs good people to have more money or like needs more good people to get rich or something like that. And um, someone who I'm now quite friendly with, um, but didn't really know very well at the time, sort of commented being like, no, the world needs like no one to be rich and et cetera, which, you know, is a point of view that now 
I would completely align with. Like, I actually feel like we should get rid of money. Like, I've become, like, so (laughs) radically left. But that version of me, like, this was probably, like, three years ago, something, I think, about three years ago. And I just remember feeling like, no, no, you're misunderstanding me. Like, I, yeah, obviously everyone should have their needs met. But also, like, I feel like the root there has to be that, women like us kind of create this change because when we have more resources there's this ripple effect and like that is the way to change and not really seeing sort of the the sort of like savior vibes going on there this idea that like you know these largely like middle class white women like me um should be in charge of like the change like by accruing all this wealth and that that was sort of the route to a a better world and look I know that you know it is well documented that for example when women increase their earnings increase their wealth they do um invest more back into their communities than men do they do invest more into sort of causes that affect women and girls than men do like there is there is something that is true about what I was feeling and sort of seeking to express at that time. But what's also true is that in the grand scheme of things, like any amount of money that an individual woman who sort of does well in her business can redirect is insignificant in the scheme of sort of how the systems that we then participate in um take from people so that that's like a moment that stands out for me but I you know at the time I didn't feel like that was teaching me anything I just felt like pissed off that I felt misunderstood by this person um and it took a long while for that and then many other moments like it I guess to sort of filter into my um my understanding of of the world that we live in and the systems that live within us. And I would say that, um, like many people, I guess, the pandemic and everything that came alongside it and sort of like a personal, like a family, um, a really difficult family situation that emerged for us as a result of um, the pandemic, it it just, um, it put a lot of things into clearer perspective and a lot of this stuff that I'd been um considering and sort of wondering about just all seemed to take on like new meaning in that time so that I guess that was kind of something of a turning point that's fascinating I, I, I'm sure a lot of people well I don't know everybody's on if you're on a journey with feminism whatever part of your journey it's going to feel like you're kind of at the end, I think, sometimes. Yes. <laughs> I think you sort of start off with this smug sort of, I don't, and it's not a bad thing. You don't, you don't know you're on that. You're almost, <laughs> you're almost being broken down, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Like layer by layer. And that drip, 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 I really resonated with that because when I look back, like you can always have those kind of cringy moments, can't you? When you look back oh God, yeah. and think, oh, I can't believe I used to say stuff like that. I can't believe you mm. used to do this. And um, I I see that so often with people when I see, I'll, I'll almost be triggered and think, oh my God, this person is awful. And then I remember, oh, I used to think like them. Yeah. That's two <laughs> years ago too. <laughs> because yeah. I also used to think that, 
you know, it's important for me to become a bit a billionaire because I'm going to do good things with it, and yeah. and that's why I should be charging so much money. For it's it's unethical for me not to charge all this money because I'm a woman and I, you know. I'm sure I'm sure that feels familiar as well. Oh my gosh, totally. <laughs> and and also this point that you're making as well about sort of how activated we get by people who um sort of uh demonstrate like it's like this confrontation with our past selves isn't mm, it when yeah. someone's like like saying these things that we are embarrassed or ashamed to have previously believed um like I, I think there are just these layers to that experience where yeah I feel this sense of like oh god I hope that no one remembers that I used to say or think that and then I also feel this shame around oh I haven't reached this person yet to like tell them that maybe they could consider looking at it this way and it there there are just so many um difficulties I think in our um journeys through like a feminist awakening because of the culture of systems of oppression that keep us ashamed around Mm. you know learning is not I, I mean learning is sort of considered to be aspirational in our society, but only like a certain type of learning. <laughs> like yes. other forms of learning are, you know, it, it's more that you, um, I, I, I experience a lot of embarrassment and I observe and witness a lot of embarrassment in my clients who have learned to change their minds about things as, as they've gained new information, new perspectives, new sources, um, but have been part of this online space where you you are sort of, I don't want to, maybe not forced, but there is some necessity to you um, voicing your views, you know, quite regularly, which means that it's inevitable that then we end up with this like trail behind us that is like a record of that learning journey. And it's deeply uncomfortable to remember that. Like sometimes I'm literally just like wake up in the night being like, why are so many of my opinions on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Because it is it is vulnerable to share your opinion as it is now because you never know whether that's going to change. Mm. I think the most important thing is more people sharing the messy, the messiness and being really mm. open about. Yeah, I don't believe that anymore, and I understand why I believe that at the time, and I have compassion for my previous self for believing that. Um, mm. And therefore, or I have compassion for everybody else who kind of believes that, you know, I I kind of feel like that's the only way forward. Mm. That's the only way we can raise each other up. Yeah. And and I think like a big source of compassion or, or something that perhaps like supports that compassion is when we are honest with ourselves about the... I don't know I don't want to be a cliche and be like our corner of the online space is toxic but like (laughs) there is like toxicity to be acknowledged in the sense that there is such a um demand for our um certainty Mm. and our like provocative opinions as well you know like this, this sort of sense that in order to sell and stand out like we need to be like bold and we need to have authority and all of that so we're constantly surrounded by like when we begin to think oh maybe when I look outside the sort of online business space um 
like you know for me I have my group of friends who I do my community activism with um who you know I, I must name also as like a huge factor in my own um process of seeing things differently and changing the way that I looked at things um but so we we sort of look outside of the space and we start to shift our opinions or thought processes to some extent but then we're back in the space and we're surrounded by people telling us like no 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 this is how it is like it can only be this way like if you want to be successful it's got to look like this and you're just kind of you need to just think that you're responsible for yourself like stop you know letting other things like suck your energy or whatever and so it's just it's we really must I think acknowledge the culture of the space that we move through in online business and how um sort of um well it's intoxicating it's seductive like I would love to believe once more I would literally love to go back in time and just be like I'm only responsible for myself like would be amazing but also I obviously would not love that you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) it would be more peaceful perhaps but for your for your own head but yeah, yeah no I understand what you mean um so I am so interested to know your thoughts on ethical business because I know that's something that you really champion and talk about um and actually you've got a workshop soon I think haven't you I don't yeah. know when this will be released but yeah I don't know when this will be released but um I'm running the workshop on the 30th of January but then it will be available beyond oh, great for okay. people to um, take a look at so the workshop is business but make it feminist and I've been talking this week about um why I think there's a bit of a watch out for us around what we come across in the online space regarding ethical business because there's a lot that has sprung up over the past year or so Mm. um you know a lot of different voices um sort of declaring like well I can teach you how to do business in an ethical way and and also there I see a lot of this sort of certainty that I was referencing before like you know I can tell you how to do it like here's the blueprint for that like do it like this and and even in some spaces I'm seeing people um providing sort of certification for ethical um business and what I feel is sort of a potential um something that we could be missing in that in that conversation or in our decisions about who we allow to lead us there is um a sort of an awareness that we need to have about how subjective ethics are in the sense that, you know, they, we talk about ethics, like, you know, what's morally right or wrong, but if we don't acknowledge the ways in which systems of oppression condition us around what's right or wrong or what's necessary or what's inevitable um, or what's fair, then how can we know what is ethical and to to support that point like I would love to reflect upon you know I um grew up in a catholic school went to catholic church um and I always had this there was a lot of things I loved about like having that faith um and there's a lot of you know the kind of teachings of that faith that really resonated with me as a child you know love one another like share with your neighbor like you know all of the sort of like the values that most of us would say we um, aspire to embody um but I also remember what it was like to realize that a lot of that was just talk and that um 
you know the the actions weren't there to mm. to back that up um because that that entire sort of body of um teachings had been corrupted by well, white supremacist, patriarchal capitalism. And I, t- I really remember like asking my mum, like, well, but like, why doesn't the church let homeless people sleep in there overnight? And like, you know, why is everything gold in the Vatican? And like people are starving all <laughs> over the world. And like, this is not, you know, it, um, Catholicism is obviously not unique in its uh, contradictions as an organized religion. Um, but I, I think about that a lot as like a first experience of realizing, without having this language for it at the time, how systems of oppression um, infiltrate well-meaning people's mm. um, behaviors. Like you know, lots of people that we would have been sitting by in church would have been really well-meaning, caring, generous, loving people who had been taught to believe that essentially, like some people are not worthy of care and respect um so yeah sorry to go so deep there into no, that, I love like you know <laughs> check in with Jesus and stuff but <laughs> I think it just kind of bring, you know brings that point to life in a way that lots of us can relate to um that just how things can be corrupted in that way and to go back to when you were talking about um, the kind of ethical business advice and the rise in, um, yeah, the talk about ethical business, and I have noticed that too. And what I have noticed, and this might just be in my own echo chamber, but, but I know that my own echo chamber is a lot more diverse than a, a lot of other people's, is that it's all white women telling us mm. this. And as soon as I see that, I am to use your term which is a good term to use activated Mm. because it just feels like that another you know there's a pipeline isn't there that you can see going to this ethical business model Mm. yeah totally and I feel really aware like as you know a middle-class white woman with a lot of um privileges that even talking about what makes something feminist is you know I'm very aware of like everything that sits around me doing that and it's why when I'm running this workshop and the program that's going to follow it I'm going to be really clear with people like I'm not um like this body of work isn't me saying I know how to run a feminist business here is your checklist do it like this um instead it's going to be here are some things that I've noticed about patriarchal capitalist business as usual and sort of what characterizes that um have you noticed that like where do you see that showing up in your business and others um what might your counterculture Um, in opposition to those characteristics look like in your business and what might be accessible and available to you now and what might be something that takes some time to work towards and who's doing it well and who can we learn from and I think this needs to be um, well this is the only approach that I can imagine working um, because we all are coming to these conversations with our own different obstacles, privileges, um, resources, um, you know, personal current circumstances, etc. And the idea that any one person can tell anyone else sort of how to run their business in an ethical way just seems just doesn't feel true to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't feel like there is space to acknowledge the complexity 
um, of the terrain, which is that each of us are impacted by the systems in different ways. So, you know, what, um, yeah, like who, who's who's deciding, like who's getting to decide? And, and particularly when we're talking about certification and whatnot, I just think we're getting into sort of really odd territory like oh I am assigning you off as being like a good person (laughs) just feels not right (laughs) and so much of all of this comes down to our need as humans to be good or bad Mm -hmm. or or mostly to be good because Mm. when you were talking about Catholicism and yeah like you say there are a lot of that Catholicism isn't unique in that kind of model (laughs) but Mm. it all comes down to here's a blueprint for you Mm. to follow and if you follow this then you are good yeah (laughs) and that is is replicated in I mean you know business coaching that I see sometimes that's Mm. replicated in a lead magnet um you see you see it all the time but we're really drawn to that I think as humans I am I'm not immune I'm not immune from it at all um I'm drawn to just you know having a nice handy little checklist that I can tick off to be like boom I'm good I'm a good person that's done because the oh other gosh, stuff yeah. is hard isn't it it's hard yeah. oh my gosh completely and I think that um this is this is a really important sort of it has the potential to be like a massive stumbling block for anyone who does want to make changes in their business because with making the change comes the acknowledgement that perhaps some of the business behaviors we've been participating in and perpetuating um you know at some point there comes a realization that oh my gosh that that does not feel okay for me anymore mm-hmm. um and it can bring a lot of fear for people because there's this sense that if I just don't think about that if I just don't make a fuss about it that will just go away quietly no one will ever notice that I am not wholly and completely good or perfect in the way that I show up in this space Um, and as soon as I start to make a change it, it sort of draws attention to how I was doing things before and then what if I am on the receiving end of judgment for that? Um, what if someone tries to cancel me for that? Um, you know, like that it just in the in the climate that we operate in um, and the ways in which I think we struggle to understand what um, accountability might look like without resorting to cancel culture. Um, it can just feel like a really risky space for people. And yeah. I was actually just writing something this morning for my email list for tomorrow, where I was just kind of offering up reassurance to people that, you know, when they come into these spaces that I'm facilitating, it's not going to be a case of right now, I'm going to point to you and say, oh, well, if you're saying you did that, like, not even years ago, like last week, maybe, (laughs) then maybe you're not a feminist, or, or maybe, you know, you're kind of trying to screw people over or whatever. Um, instead like let me put my hands up and be like I've done tons of stuff over the years that I would not do anymore um that I hold regrets about um and also I am still doing things now that I am wrestling with that I am struggling with "Mm," like you know what what does this mean like how do I it is this sort of justifiable because ultimately the further piece of reassurance I would like to offer to 
small business owners who are looking to bring a more feminist approach to their businesses is that we we have to survive in capitalism like we have to feed our families and like pay our mortgages and our rent and whatever um like we we do have to be able to sustain ourselves and ultimately there I don't think is any wholly and completely ethical way to do that um within these systems now that doesn't mean we shouldn't bother trying to shift more in a sort of ethical feminist direction um but certainly I think that there has to be an acceptance that whatever we do, we will always be able to find ways that we could be doing quote unquote better. Yeah, and that is reassuring. Something that I struggle with um, is pricing. So mm-hmm. I, I like you, always offer pay what you can um, and have done for a long time. Um, but also I do have higher price, you know, for my one-to-one work, it costs more. Mm. And I have struggled with my own margins and the own my own kind of need for it to be sustainable for me. And also the desire for greediness mm. um, comes up in me when I, you know, sometimes you get pushback or sometimes I have had pushback from friends who are like, you should be charging more. You should be charging more. Um, and yeah, that's something that I do grapple with because when somebody else tells you, you could be charging double that, mm. I think, Oh, I could, I could be earning so much more. Mm. And then I think, but do I need to be earning so much more? Uh, uh, is it ethical? I don't believe it is. I don't, it's not ethical for me. Same as you. I don't, I mean, money is just nonsense and, yeah, I I don't believe in billionaires, of course, and don't believe that we should all be striving to be rich mm-hmm. because we could all have what we need. The whole world could have what they need. Yes. Um, and then some. Everyone could have what they need. Um, but and but then again, like you say, I acknowledge that I have a mortgage to pay. We're not on a one income household. My income helps to pay on, you know helps pay our mortgage the groceries everything Mm. so I am surviving capitalism the best way I can but also trying to minimize my harm along the way and it's Mm. constantly changing I can't say I've revisited my pricing again this week like literally a couple of days ago to to see if it feels good to me but I wonder if you have any advice on that, because often when people are talking about their pricing, you might hear, does it feel good? And does, yeah. is that, so things that I have like passed, like terrible coaching trauma that I've had is that, you know, the transformation is in the transaction. And oh my God, oh my gosh, Lucy, you stretchy. just triggered me. You triggered me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no I don't really joke about triggers but like honestly like there is something about that that gives me this Mm -hmm. like intense bodily response not just because I used to hear it but because I used to say it also so I mean that's a big hands up (laughs) moment there dear god anyway sorry please continue no that's not really like all of those kind of yeah what where do where can you where can you come to on that pricing what advice would you give when you're trying to be ethical because you have to Mm. kind of it's not a blueprint so you Mm. do have to feel into it and all of those sorts of things however 
it's not a my body feels great when I'm charging 25,000 times more than I could be Mm. situation do you know what do you know what I mean yeah I think there's so many factors um to take into consideration on this topic um and what I would say is that last year I found myself in a really difficult space around money um towards the end of the year because it's probably not surprising to hear that when you have one foot in an anti-poverty community activism space and another foot in the online business, online coaching space, like that is, you know, that is whiplash, like day in, day out. Like it's a very odd experience to be confronted by certain realities and other um points of view about money and wealth and um who is worthy of what and everything else like it's it's a head fuck basically the whole thing um and obviously you know in the current context of um cost of living crisis and and everything that goes with it um it it's it's been a really difficult thing to navigate spending time in both those spaces and I really have felt that my concerns about what it means to be a well-resourced woman in the context of this society um, aren't well addressed across the majority of, you know, the content that's out there and sort of the offerings that are out there. Um, And I got to the end of last year feeling really like I absolutely need to um, get serious again about my business. I, I I had been very serious about my business for a long time. And um, since, you know, lockdown and the homeschooling and trauma associated with um, the pandemic, and then um, putting a lot of energy and time into my community activism, I had got to a space where I'd taken my business less seriously, if you like, in terms of sort of my... Um, I don't know, like, let's say like the space I wanted to take up and like the income that I could bring into our family, etc. And um, I, I ended last year being really poorly for a couple of months and having a lot of space to think about what am I doing? Like, how am I providing for myself? In what ways am I getting burnt out? And in what ways is this sort of unsustainable, etc. Um, and I'd hardly taken on any one-to-one work last year. And that was in part because of this sort of pickle that I'd got myself into about the pricing and whatnot. Um, so I did, at the end of last year, I invested in this um, short course with Kelly Deals and Danielle Cohen called Good Money. Um, I think it was 300 quid, maybe it was even $300 and a bit less in pounds. Um, And I have to name that as like a real support for me in sort of shifting me out of this hole that I'd gotten myself into, because what it offered me was a really practical approach to my pricing um, in the sense that I was guided through processes, which, you know, to be frank, were not sort of new ideas to me. around you know assessing ultimately like what is my capacity um and um you know like what what are my actual needs in my household like financially um what does it mean to work in a way that leaves me with time to do my community activism etc so 
it's not that I'd not thought about these things and didn't know that there was a methodology available to me here in coming up with my pricing model, but but there were gaps in, in it. There were gaps in my sort of, there were bits of it I couldn't quite name that weren't working out for me. Um, so for people who are struggling with that, that, that is a, a resource from Kelly Deals and Danielle Cohen that I would um, recommend. But what it has supported me to do is to know that the prices that I've now set are the only prices at which I can run this business <laughs> they're the only prices at which like I can do this work do my community activism and be able to make parts of my work accessible so pricing in the way that I am for one-to-one means that I can have one day a week where I work for free for our care bank project Um, and it means that I can offer pay what you can afford on all of my workshops it means that I will sometimes have capacity to offer pay what you can afford um, one-to-one sessions but the other thing that I'm looking at is who am I working with on a one-to-one basis and how am I getting paid? So I've always had um, a small number of clients whose employers have paid for their coaching with me. Um, And that is something that I am committing to um, pursuing more of because to me, it just feels like a a sort of win-win situation here. Like I don't want to make myself Robin Hood or (laughs) anything like that, but that, you know, there is something here that is helpful to me um, in that I know that, you know, I'm being paid by, in some cases, like corporations who can absolutely afford to pay me a competitive market rate um, that facilitates other work um, that I want to do and that I want to be able to do in an accessible way. So I said at the start of that, oh, there's loads of factors here and I'm not even sure I've touched on them all, but hopefully there's something helpful there for people in terms of looking at their models, you know, of of their own needs and of other people's needs and where that money is coming from. I know that not everyone can be like, oh, and now I'm going to do this sort of mixed model with these types of clients and these types of clients, but perhaps there is more scope for that sort of thing than people might initially think about for their own businesses. Yeah, it's a great answer. That was really, really helpful for me, if for nobody else. (laughs) 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 Okay. So just to finish up, what are your hopes for 2023? And I'm not talking about words of the year or anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How would you like to end the year? Um, well, I know you said you're not talking about words of the year, <laughs> and I wasn't going to do one. I wasn't going to have a word of the year because I was like, fuck that girl bossy shit. Like, this is my <laughs> word of the year. But, but, um, I had this, I had this realization that, um, something that became available to me during this kind of extended period of illness at the back end of last year was the space to remember more of what I already knew. Um, And so I've landed on remembering as a theme for this year. And for me, that is about sort of um, remembering what I am capable of, um, remembering um, who is around to support me, um, remembering my values and my 
deep-seated belief that all of our behavior makes complete sense given the environments that we've moved through and, and, and the experiences that we've had. That that can be a really hard one to remember. Yeah. Um, so remembering is my theme for the year. And, and I would like to finish the year up um, feeling as though I had found um, a sustainable rhythm in my work again and that my activism and my family life are kind of, um, you know, well supported within that rhythm um, such that there hopefully isn't this sort of swing that I feel has been happening for me over the last few years where I'm either kind of all in in one space or all in in another Um so yeah, there's a bit of a summary. Let's check in in a year's time and I'll let you know yeah. how I got on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much. I've absolutely loved chatting to you today and everything, all of Kerry's links will be in the show notes and I really, really encourage you to follow her because she's brilliant. Oh, Thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to what she said. Feel free to slide into my DMs. I'm at Lucy Lucroft everywhere. And please leave a five-star rating and review. Until next week, friend, stay rebellious.